Welcome to another episode of Story World here with my boy Al, Steve Strand. What's up, man? It's your boy Al. I am doing just fine. How are you, Steve? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Super good. Um, excited to talk about this topic. We're going to talk about getting over the hump, or another way that I like to uh, frame this is getting out of the messy middle. You want to kind of define your thinking on this for us, Alex? Yes. And so Steve and I were talking a little beforehand, too. Um, it's a little bit, it's not writer's block, and it's not necessarily coming up with an idea or getting stuck on something. It, we're really talking about the middle of a project. Of course, uh, kind of thinking about myself with fictional writing, it's literally the middle of the book. Uh, maybe not exactly it dead in the middle, but somewhere around that time where you're you're in the messy middle. And that's where a lot of stuff is happening and where things tend to get either bogged down or it doesn't feel fresh and it's really hard to get through. So that's what we're talking about, getting over the hump. Yeah, you're you're sort of uh, at the point in a project. And this, of, of course, this can be all kinds of things. You know, for you, it may be writing. For me, it may be uh, web design. Um, there are, um, um, it's kind of, it's the point at which your tank of enthusiasm, I think, is drained mm -hmm. the most, yeah. right? Because your enthusiasm is usually really high at the start of a project. And then it's also usually really high when you're nearing the end of a project because you can see the finish line, you can see the end in sight, and it looks really, really good. Um, but they're in the middle where things are, you know, kind, you're, you're kind of not sure. You're, you're not as excited about it because it's not fresh, it's not new mm -hmm. anymore, but you can't quite see the end yet. And and it's it really can feel like a slog. I mean, even if you absolutely yeah. love it, uh, what you're doing, it can absolutely. still feel tough. It is, it is uh, physically draining, mentally draining, everything, because it's not just you are actually physically expending the energy and mentally to work on the project, but psychologically as well, when you get to that point, you think about if it's a waste or you start questioning your ability with it, or you start wondering if it's even going to pay off or if you're even going to finish it. So there's definitely, it's a very painful process. Um, like, you know, re it really is, especially, you know, the scale and scope of the project and what you're doing. And so I think it's definitely worth taking time out to talk about it and hopefully help people out with getting over that. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is what we're talking about here is not rocket science. I mean, the hump has its own yeah. day devoted to it, right? Wednesday is hump day. <laughs> yes. um, it's the same thing, right? Like when you're, especially, you know, particularly if you're in a job or whatever that you're not too excited about or whatever, you know, Monday, you're kind of fresh, you're getting back into it. And then by, you know, it, by Wednesday, you're kind of like, oh man, is this week ever going to end? And um you know, eventually it does come to an end, but, um, so it's, it's something that we all deal with. And the question is how, you know, what do we do with it? Right. Mm. Is it something we can overcome? Is it something we should try to overcome? You know, how, how do we go about it? So, um, so yeah, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives from the most magical to the most mundane.
Yeah. So my first thought, um, for getting over that hump is not to avoid it, but at the same time, don't tackle it head on fervently full steam ahead. Um, there's a reason why it is difficult to get up. Well, several, several reasons why, but it really is a very taxing time. So like Steve said, you can apply this to any project. Of course, I'll apply it to writing. That's just kind of naturally what I'm going to be talking about, but you can apply it to anything. But so for writing, um, the beginning is especially exciting because, uh, if you're, if you're writing well, you usually have a pretty exciting beginning. You wrote the reader in and you have all these fun characters that you're setting up, maybe a couple you know, fight scenes or something interesting with magic to, to really get into it. And then you have that ending in sight too, where you know how the characters are going to finish the story and you are formulating these big, exciting scenes in your head. And then you get to the middle and it's very difficult because you're trying to connect that beginning to the end. You're trying to make sense of it all while at the same time, just by your, the writing skills, you want to be able to write effectively to communicate to the reader everything you want to. So it is a very difficult part of the process, which is why I say you don't want to avoid it, but you also don't want to just burn yourself out and risk honestly giving up or postponing it. So a couple initial thoughts are don't, don't quit. Don't put it to the side. Don't postpone it. Don't, um, take a extended break. If you feel like you need to take a break, take maybe a couple days. Um, you really want to jump back into it. And when you do say, if you have a goal of writing five pages a day, let's just say that's your goal. And you've been doing that consistently. Don't feel like you have to keep that same goal. We actually, we were talking about, um, last episode, um, setting goals. Don't feel like you need to keep that up. Look at each day thing, know what you have to do, um, each day. And even if that's writing a page. Um, you know, get in there, write it, take your time, think through it and just chip at it slowly and slowly. Yes. If you wanted to finish that book by the end of the year and now you don't think it's going to take a year, who cares? Um, yeah. you know, really just do what you can, um, to get over that. So, um, I'll go into more stuff yeah. details later on, but that's, you know, really kind of initially how, in my opinion, how you want to tackle something like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. In fact, that's one of the things that I was going to talk about as well is uh, to set different and or better goals. And yeah, kind of based on what we talked about last week, which is uh, fresh on our minds for some reason. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> we we record a couple of these things at one time. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't wear uh, the same clothes all the time. Just not, not every day, just most every days. Day. So, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, based on what we were talking about last week about, about goal setting. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it, it's setting different or better goals is, is a way yeah. to go about, is, is a way to go about this. And I guess um, this is something where I don't, I don't know that what, so I have some thoughts that maybe differ a little bit from Alex's on mm -hmm. this. And I, I don't think they contradict. Um, I think they are, uh, I think they're both approaches that you can take and it really just depends on um, your outlook. And, and so the way uh, a, a hump, in the way that we're talking about it, the messy middle, um, almost by definition, what we're talking about is a, uh, is a problem. At least that's how most people would think about it is, yeah, this is a problem, um, that I have to overcome. And so, you know, there are different ways that people overcome problems. You know, one of those ways is willpower. Um, you know, another way is accountability. And by the way, those are good things as well. I didn't write those down, but it strikes me that those are good. You know, if you, if you are some, Buddy who can, whatever, set an alarm on your phone to do the thing you need to do that day or whatever, and you can willpower it, great. 
Um, if what you need to do is get a buddy who uh, will kick your butt on this stuff and, and have an accountability partner, that that's a good way to do it as well. Um, but me personally, one of the ways that I have approached this is instead of seeing the messy middle as a problem, um, is treating it as an opportunity. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you can take problems and reframe them as opportunities, in my opinion, that's a better way to do something productive with the circumstance that you have been uh, presented with. So, so okay, so one thing about a hump, okay? A hump slows you down, okay? I think we would both agree there, right? A hump is something that slows you down. Now, the question is that that's slowing you down. Now, at this point, you have time to consider. Um, you, you, because I agree with Alex, you, you probably do want to be able to jump back in pretty quickly, assuming that jumping back in is the right thing to do. And the, the reason why I say that is because sometimes the passion that uh, maybe you had, if that passion is waning because you're in the messy middle, a lot of times it's just because it's human nature and you're not so, you know, maybe you're not as excited about it uh, because, because you're in the messy middle, but maybe maybe your life has changed. Maybe mm -hmm. you started doing whatever. We could just use the example of writing a book. Maybe you started writing a book six months ago and it's now, you know, yeah, it's six months later and you're not so passionate about that topic anymore. Or um, maybe, maybe you bit off more than you can chew and you get a good bit into the project and it turns out you need more knowledge and it's maybe it's something entirely different. Actually, let me give you a great example. So Russell Brunson, uh, one of my favorite uh, little guy, guys to follow in the marketing world, he's working on a book right now. Um, and it, it's called, uh, the working title is Secrets of Success and the working, because uh, he's really big into personal development um, and his sort of brand is like the whole secrets thing. Um, but his his working uh, title, his working subtitle for the book when he started writing it was um, the, uh, oh gosh, I hope I don't mess it up. It's a, it's a famous, pretty famous Tony Robbins line. Um, I think it's this, the science of achievement and the art of, I forget the exact word, but something like, oh, fulfillment. Yeah, it's the science of, of achievement and the art of fulfillment. And he started writing this book and, and he got a, a good ways through writing the book and what he learned was that he would actually figured out the science of achievement, but he didn't have the art of fulfillment figured out at all. So he mm -hmm. literally decided to write a different book. I mean, he scrapped all of the work that he had done and started rewriting with a, a different end goal in mind because he found that he didn't have enough knowledge, enough competency to really write that book. He hadn't earned that book yet. So I just use that example to say that I think, Probably most of the time, it's more of a human nature thing. And and the approach that Alex has mentioned is probably the right one in terms of dive back into it. Don't take an extended break or whatever. Um, but uh, but maybe if you treat it as an opportunity instead of a problem, you know, you might determine that having the time to consider and changing your mind, um, you know, may, maybe it's a different book that needs to get written. Maybe it's a different project that needs to get done. You know, maybe it really does deserve to go back to a trolling board. One more example, and then I'm going to move on just because I really think this is interesting. I talk about Basecamp from time to time as well, one of my favorite products and, uh, and software development companies. And they were just, uh, they had uh, been touting, not touting, they had been um, teasing a feature uh, up, uh, up and coming in Basecamp for, um, for some time now. 
And I've been kind of like waiting for it. Like, where is it? Like, I'm really excited about this. And I saw in a random like comment to an answer on a Twitter thread or something like that the other day. Oh, we had to table that for now because some problems came up that that, you know, we weren't able to work through. And maybe we'll get back to it again someday. And that's just a great example of they had it like they had this thing so close that they showed videos of what it was going to look like. And you know, on a test account and all this, it got really excited and they got really close, but they couldn't quite make it. And they ran into things that um, they had to reconsider and and table it for now. And maybe they come back to it later. So I think that's it, right? All that to say that you could treat it as an opportunity and maybe it's, maybe you do need to do something different. Um, a lot of the times though, um, I agree. You just need to slog, get it, get it, get it done, get over the, get over the hump through some of the other ways we're going to talk about. Yeah. I, I, I do think, yeah, and so obviously each circumstance comes down to you, your own personal project, the way you think the best approach is. You re- you may come across that middle and realize that this is totally beyond your current skill level or your knowledge, and you may need to do a reset and and do something else. Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely keep that um, option open um, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think that's really helpful and. To kind of connect to what Steve was saying as far as um, looking at it as an opportunity, not a problem, I think that's really helpful um, that I didn't think about, but it's really good. So if you're if you're writing or working on something, but if you're writing and um, and you get to the middle of the book and you, you hit that hump and it probably uh, is very beneficial instead of thinking about it as, okay, I need to get through this. I just have to chip at it a little bit at a time. Instead... Um, maybe get, try to get a little bit excited about it, knowing that, Hey, like this is an opportunity for you to really wow your reader. Cause whenever you're setting up here is really gonna affect the ending of your project, whether it's your programming for something or doing an art project or especially writing. And maybe that might be enough just to get you excited and realize, Hey, this is hard work. But this is something that's really going to be beneficial to the reader. And I know this is going to be good. And maybe that can give you an extra boost, just realizing the importance of that part that you were in. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally I totally agree with that. And uh, I don't know, we might touch on this in a, in a minute because I, I want to get you onto your next thoughts here. But yeah. um, one thing that I'll say real quick is that um, I know for me, a lot of the time it's just uh, it's psychological. Um, I think of my own, you know, a lot, some of the books that I've written, uh, because this has happened to me a lot where I stop in the messy middle for quite some time and then I come back to it. And what's interesting is it's, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, uh, I, I know how much work is left to do. And so restarting it feels like a slog, but then usually when I'm, you know, I start writing and I'm. You know, by the time I'm a couple hundred words in, I'm like, yeah, game on. Let's let's go. And I'm excited about it again. So sometimes just starting, it's like exercise. Like, I mm. I don't know anybody. I mean, I, I guess that's a lie. I do know a few. But most people aren't that excited about the thought of exercising. Um, but once you get into it, it's like super exciting and you're motivated and you're pumped. And then at the end, you're like, oh, man, that was great. Um you know, mentally and physically it uplifted you. So I think a lot of times the best thing you can do is get back into it and not overthink it. So, you know, what's funny is, um, again, we just kind of touched on the same subject, but I, I kind of have to concede here to Steve's point as far as knowing when to quit. Um, uh, I honestly don't know still if that's the right or wrong. I've talked about this before, but I made it 
really far into one book that I was re I was writing, um, quite far. And, um, I got to the point again, I, I still think part of me thinks I should have powered through and finish it just to finish it and go through that process. But I did, um, quit halfway through because I just realized that even if I did finish it, it was more or less like a background story that didn't need to be told. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. And so I just knew in the end, it would not have been a good book for consumption by just the general, you know, public or people who would read it. Um, again, I, maybe I still should have finished that and finished the book just to go through the process. But, um, having known that I did put that to the side and shelf it, throw it away, keep it for personal notes and background of what I want for future stuff and started on this kind of new book. So I've been preaching about don't give up. But at the same time, I did uh, take Steve's advice that he gave you and um, did switch my mentality to do something different. So Steve, you, you win this one, good sir. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think, well, like I said, I, I think I have seen in my life where both approaches, yeah. uh, both approaches have, have been helpful. And I'll be honest, I've seen that happen all within the same project, right? I've, mm. I've seen, I've seen, um, what's a great, oh, 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 I'll tell you a great example, um, is this latest ministry book that I've been writing. I, 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 this one has taken the longest of any of them because I keep like, you know, leaving and coming back or whatever. But yeah. all, for the most part, I've always come back and I'm doing good. And actually now I'm at the hump of, okay, the book's written. Now I need to like, get it. I get, I need to get people reading it. I need to get it on Kindle. I need to like go through all those things. And that's the boring, you know, that's kind of the boring yeah. part. So, um, but, uh, you know, uh, so, so I am, I have practiced your thoughts about diving back into it, not quitting, et cetera, uh, probably five or six different times with this book. But I followed my thought, uh, when I was trying to write a conclusion because I told myself, this is a book. It needs to have a final chapter that is a conclusion. And the problem is, is the end of chapter seven was a great place to end it. Um, I had written it like a conclusion. It was fantastic. And I'm, I'm like trying to power through this conclusion and they can't get it done. And I'm like, do I even have to have a conclusion? So I went into my Kindle library and just opened a few books and I noticed a few that they ended with the last chapter. They didn't even have a conclusion. And so I decided, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I, I decided, it, I, I paused because it gave me an opportunity and I said, okay, well, I'm going to call this book finished right now. I'm not even going to write a conclusion because it already sort of has one. Um, and that's, so that's, uh, that's that, both working in tandem. That's interesting. Um, just you bringing it up has uh, some topics I want to discuss for our next podcast. So I'm going to shelf some ideas there. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to finish up. Um, I only just have some final thoughts left. Um, really okay. just specific advice on, again, uh, I hate to keep being the dead horse on me just going back to writing. Again, you can apply this to any aspect of your life or project that you're working on. It's just easier for me to relate to the writing aspect. So for anyone writing out there and apply it to however you want, just some practical advice to um, specific ways that you can help get over that hump and maybe find that inspiration again and uh, to keep on going. So uh, first thing, um, again, uh, if you are, if this is something you decide that you do want to power through and, and get through it, um, then definitely um, you don't want to take a super long break, but I do think it is definitely okay to review some past material that you have written um specifically related to that project so um for instance if you um have a, a great outline let's just say um for the book you have it all laid out you've been writing writing 
go ahead and like read the last um, few chapter outlines that you have and, you know, really get another, put yourself in that place where you had that vivid ending in mind and you knew how it was going to end and start thinking about how that relates to what you're writing now. And just tr to try to find that inspiration, that motivation to kind of keep you going through and get that spark again. Um, another thing to do when it comes to actually writing, we've talked about it a little bit before, just different strategies. But one thing, a couple things that you can do first is um, like jump ahead and write a chapter from the ending of the book. If you have a specific scene where there's a fight on top of a of a castle and a dragon comes and knocks over the main character, um, even though you might not have that natural flow going into it, um, just like pick up, pick up your pen, I guess not pen, use your keyboard and type out that chapter it might not be perfect it might not tie exactly to how you're going to get there when you go back but um write something exciting to know what you're working for again again just trying to find that excitement and then if you want to not venture out because i know that at least for me i can't i can't do that i can't jump forward and write something i i have to stay chronological so if you find yourself there where you have to stay where you're at um try something different um if you're in a scene that's for lack of a better term, boring, if you're just trying to connect the dots here, um, write something really silly or exciting or funny or over the top that you'll probably take out in the end, but at least get you through the chapter. Have uh, have someone like, you know, have a bull loose in, a, in an inn and he's, you know, knocking over tables and the main character has to save it. And then, you know, just let the, let it flow through, have some silly stuff happen. Maybe have a big bloody thing. They have to stab the cow, blood shoots everywhere. Do something exciting and then just kind of have it go back to the normal thing. Maybe have them have a silly conversation about it just to kind of loosen yourself up, have an exercise with it. Or maybe throw something in there that could potentially be in the final cut, you know, something out there, but that might work. Just, you know, make it fun for yourself, you know, kind of go through those exercises to do that. And again, the same could be, apply to music. I'm not a music writer. Maybe this is not how you write music, but if you're getting stuck on either how you want the specific course to go or how you want to get into the, the bridge of the song and just kind of make it all seem one, go crazy with it. You know what? Throw in some melodies, throw in some notes in there that you just don't think would ever go together. And even if it, you have to take it out at the end, just kind of play with it and get yourself excited with it. Um, so again, that can apply to, to anything. And so I'm um, just some kind of specific, um, stuff there to, help you really yeah. methodically get through that process yeah i have a, i have a funny it's not like super related but it kind of is to, to that like from the music perspective so i remember one time this was in the very early days of me and jared recording my best friend jared yep. um we used to work in the recording studio we would pull some seriously long hours um because it was just super fun um but this i think this is actually probably the first project i was ever paid to do to play music on and it was uh, the guy who owned the studio. It was one of his old buddies. Uh, frankly, just old kooky dude. You know, he had been in the war and he'd written, you know, some songs and whatever. And one of the songs that we were doing was it was uh, it was called a recitation. So if you're not familiar with that, it's basically like when when someone reads some lyrics over top of some soft music playing in the background. And in this one song that we were doing that was like that, he had, he kept saying uh, that, that he was at the, he was at the Pentagon. Okay. He was at the Pentagon. He was at the Pentagon. Like, I don't know why. Okay. It was a silly, it, it's probably two in the morning. We're doing this. And, 
And he keeps saying, and for some reason, we just found it hilarious, right? And so we worked into the song. We came up with a little lick that Jared played on like the mandolin and, and the guitar in a couple different places. And it just was like this little, like I was at the Pentagon. I was at the Pentagon. And we just like, we worked it in all throughout the song and just had a blast with it. Right. And so, um, how does that speak to getting over the harp? I don't know, but it's an example in music of just like where it's two in the morning, we're slobbing through this. And so we just injected some excitement into it just to stay awake, frankly. And that made it fun. And it ended up in the final cut. And if you were to go listen to that track today, you'd hear it. I mean, there, there it would be, you know? So um, that's a cool example. I do have some things real quickly that, uh, sure. that if you don't mind, kind of like you shared, I'd like to run through just some really quick tactical yeah. things. Um, so one would be, um, to, uh, to give it a, to give it a, a category of thinking. So, uh, I hope this isn't too esoteric. I'm, I'm kind of a philosophy nerd. So, um, it, it's when you know something you can, uh, you can take action on it. So a lot of times, a lot of the big scaries that go on in the domain of our mind, hmm. um, if you could zoom out, uh, to 10,000 feet and sort of get a different a different look, a different take on what it is that you're you're facing. Uh, a lot of times, that gives you something to work with. So, in this example, what I mean by that is, um, <laughs> again, uh, at Basecamp, um, there's a feature unique to Basecamp uh, called a hill chart. No other project management software has this. And project management software, um, I promise, I'm going toward this. Project management software is like really, um, um, sort of a data driven which is which is not a bad thing um but it does really account for the fact that that humans work on projects not robots and so what i mean by that is let's say you have a task list there are every project management tool out there frankly including basecamp will show you um how many of your tasks in the list you got completed so let's say you have uh uh to make it easy let's say you have 10 tasks and you cross off nine of them but that 10th task is going to take triple the time of any of the other nine tasks so if when your when your project management software says you have nine out of ta 10 tasks completed does that mean you're 90 percent done with the with the project no it, it doesn't but they're sort of like an illusion uh that you are and so uh basically i've actually invented this thing called the hill chart to help come over the to help get over this okay and it's literally uh if you could you know, I mean, just imagine a hill or like a camel hump or something like that. It's literally a chart that looks like that. And um, at any point in the project, based on your emotional intelligence, based on where you feel the project is, you can drag a little dot of that particular to-do item um, up or down at, at a different point on the chart and then give your thoughts with where you feel it is. And the key to this is, is that on the on the uphill slope until you get to the top, Underneath of that side, they have what's called figuring it out. And then on the other side of the hill is when I, you know, you've heard the term, it's all downhill from here, kind of trades on that, where the other side of the hill is getting it done. So here's what I'm saying. When you have the hump, literally, we're using a hump. I didn't even think about that. We're using a hump as the, as the analogy <laughs> here to, to, to talk about this. Think about the first half of the hump as figuring it out and the second half of the hump as getting it done. Now that you have those categories for thinking, maybe what you're trying to do is get it 
is maybe you're trying to be too far down in the get it done phase when really you're still figuring it out. So maybe what you need to do is actually just admit that and, and, and revert your thinking to the get to the figuring it out phase and do some more figuring, right? Learn more, right? Like I said a minute ago, increase your knowledge, learn more, ask some questions, you know, think more about it or whatever. Um, and, and then once it's figured out, try moving into the get it done. And so half the, half the work on any issue is figuring out what you're going to do or what you need to do. Um, and so I think if you, that's just a way of thinking about it. Instead of looking at the hump as one thing, think about it as two different things. And um, once, you, once you approach it that way, it's maybe a little bit less scary. Um, so that, that's one thing. Um, another thing would be to, we, we kind of talked about setting different, different or better goals. Um, along with that, I would say adjusting your expectations, you know, maybe you set a goal for yourself, you know, to, to write a thousand words per day. And, it's, and, and, and part of the reason why you're in this hump, you know, while, while you're in the hump, you're like, this is really unrealistic. And so you're getting depressed. And so you don't return to it. And maybe a better goal would be 100 words a day or 200 words a day. And who knows, maybe someday you'll feel so inspired that you end up writing a thousand. Um, but maybe you should just adjust your expectations and find a way to integrate this into your life a little better. Um, you know, people talk about work-life balance. I'm a fan of work-life life integration. Um, it, it's often very hard to balance it all out, but if you can integrate it together, um, I think that, that's a better, a better way to go. Uh, two more thoughts. Uh, one is that you may, uh, this is not going to, this is maybe not going to apply to something like write, writing a book. Um, but I think it will apply to a lot of other things. And that is you may not be in what, uh, what, what, what a lot of personal development nerds would call your, your zone of genius. Um, I talked before in this podcast about your working genius, which is a little bit different, but kind of the same thing. Um, maybe, maybe you're somebody who belongs on a, on a different part of the work. So I'll just use my own business as an example. You know, we're web designers. We do web design. Um, people hire me to do web design, except that in my business right now, I do very, very little web design, right? <laughs> I have a team who is doing most of the web design. And so, um, why is that? Well, can I still do the web design? Yeah. I mean, I'm still pretty good at it, I think. Um, and other people seem to think so. Uh, I'm still pretty good at it, right? Um, but it's not really the, the place where I'm, my time is best uh, spent, nor is it where I like to spend the most time. I'm not a checklist. You know, I mean, I, 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 I am a checklist guy because I've sort of been forced to be, but I'd rather not be, right? I'd rather just think and, um, and think high level and strategize and have important conversations with people, et cetera. And so maybe uh, if you find yourself, you know, in, in the hump on something, um, maybe one of the things that you realize is that you're, you're, you're in the wrong hump, you know, um, it's, just, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a possibility, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe if you find yourself constantly, um, excuse me, um, if you find yourself constantly um, in, in the middle of these humps, Maybe you should just try to avoid them. Maybe you should be the person who is rallying the team and getting getting them excited for the next project to come up and then get the team started on the project while you start thinking about the next thing. Um, that's not a bad thing. Um, it's not bad for, for you to realize that about yourself. Um, and so what you can find by designing your life and, and your work or whatever in this way, now this isn't possible necessarily if you're, you know, if you're the low guy on the totem pole at a new job or whatever, you're not going to be able to do this. No, but if you have your own business or you know, you, you could prove to the, the company that you work for that you'd be a more valuable asset somewhere else, then maybe you should try that route. Maybe you belong at a different phase of the work and the messy middle would feel uh, less, less messy for you. Um, 
one more thought that I have here, and then I'll uh, I'll be done. Is just uh, don't. Some people use the hump to make life more complicated. Okay, so um, adding more things, more activity, or whatever, uh, is not always the answer. Um, you, if something is not jiving, not working, yeah, sometimes new input. You know, some of the creative ideas we were talking about a minute ago, like inserting at the Pentagon randomly in a mandolin lick throughout a throughout a track. You know, that might be, uh, you know, something you could do, but. Uh, I think for the most part, don't overcomplicate things. Um, simplicity is boring, but it almost always uh, wins. And, and you know, for those who may think I'm, I'm speaking a little esoterically, uh, why don't we talk about something like a diet? A diet, okay? Um, <laughs> diets are actually very, very simple. Turns out, if you need to lose weight, 99% of people could stop eating bread, stop drinking soda, drink water, and eat mostly animal products and would be their ideal weight within six to 12 months. Uh, not everybody. I, I get that. Some people are, you know, more or less sensitive to things or, or whatever, but I've just seen it happen too many times for too many people um, that it's, it's really uh, not that hard ultimately to lose weight, to get in shape and, and whatever. And so uh, why do I say that? Well, because some people, they try a program for a couple weeks and they're all excited about it. And then boom, they drop off, done. Not, and it's like, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to go join Weight Watchers. So they go join Weight Watchers and then they're in Weight Watchers for a couple weeks and they don't see the results they want. And so, oh, oh, I got it. I need to go do Whole30. That's what I need to do. And so they jump from one thing to the next, one thing, one thing to the next. And these are all I, I remember I was talking to somebody who I used to work with back when I was uh, uh, employed there. And she was telling me about this wonderful diet. She's like, yeah, it's really expensive, but it's like, mm -hmm. it's like five, $500 a month. But she was already skinny as a rail anyway. So I don't know why she was doing it, but she was on this diet and she's like, yeah, it's like, it's like $500 a month. It's, it's really expensive, but I'm, but I'm seeing these great results and this and the other. And she proceeds to like, tell me about the diet. And I'm like, that sounds an awful lot like, you know, like keto or like, but, and, and in other words, it was, it, but there was, there was, you know, whatever, like the dog, the, the person who had formulated had like, oh, well, you eat this at this specific meal time and this specific day mm -hmm. at this. And basically what they had done is, is, is they had applied their own framework. Now as a marketer, I love it. Right. This guy had, it was genius. He applied his own, you know, specific way of doing, uh, of doing something that most people just do for free. And charge five hundred dollars a month for it, right? And so that sounds like a Steve way. It does sound like a Steve way, kinda. But I was um, I was kind of heartbroken when she was telling me about it because I mean I don't pretend to know her financial situation, but there's no way that she's got you know. I mean I know where she works, right? So she don't have bukus of money, and I'm just like you know this is really interesting because like it's actually like there's all this. She's like yeah I've got all these worksheets, and she was like showing me some of the charts and this that and the other, and I'm just like you 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 could just you could just not eat bread, drink water, and like eat meat and eggs and cheese. And that's the, that's it. And that's like, that's like virtually the same thing you're doing and it's free. And it's, <laughs> it's free. the thing is, here's the thing. Let me tell you, here's the problem with that. Simple isn't sexy and people like sexy. Right. Um, but I'm just saying if, if you're, if you're, if what's my point, my point is if you're tempted to use this as a way to overcomplicate a lot of times, 
That is the exact opposite of what you should do. A lot of times, simplicity is the key. Maybe you need, maybe what you need to do is not overcomplicate it. You need to even simplify it more. Um, and that might make it a little bit, you know, more boring. But a lot of times, that's what's going to get the result done. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. So so give it give it a, so categorize it. You know, think about the hump as two parts, not just one. Um, set better expectations, better goals, and then simplify. Don't overcomplicate. And I think those are some great ways to help get over the hump as well. That's excellent. And if I had to summarize what I was saying is basically get through it or you're a wimp. It's kind of what Steve was alluding to. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. We, we, we could have, we, we could have done the podcast in three seconds, I think. So, <laughs> um, no, that's good stuff. Uh, hopefully some of that, um, help people out there going through, you know, wh whether you're going through, even if it's, if you don't having a personal project, we're going to, if it's just like your own work, that your, your day job that you go to, we all experience humps in those areas too. You know, sometimes they're going seasons. It's not, may not necessarily, your hump day might not be Wednesday. Your hump day might be a whole month or a whole part of the year, you know, but uh, mm -hmm. just kind of try to, you know, apply some of these steps to it and see what happens. Absolutely. All right. So last week we updated everyone on kind of where we are with our projects and just kind of life status. So this week we're going to go back to our stories of the week. Um, I'll go ahead and start yeah. off. Mine's not really a story more or less it's uh just to kind of talk about again um i just got through reading the cimmerillion i don't know how many times i read it quite a few times but um i it's been a while since i read it through it's been quite a while and so this time when i read it through i also had i forget what it's called see until the videos get posted on YouTube, but it's called uh, the Atlas of- Coming soon, I promise. <laughs> Coming soon, the Atlas of Middle Earth. And so I'm very much like math-oriented um, when I when I read fantasy books, I like to know where I am and stuff. And so I also downloaded several pictures on my phone and just saved photos of uh, like different like family trees and um, you know different groups of elves that were that are part of the Cimmerillion. And so. I've I read quite a bit where people recommended not doing that. Essentially, the Cimmerillion follows uh, three Cimmerils that were created by an elf named Feanor. It, you can pretty much read the Cimmerillion and skip over the literally hundreds of names in there um, and just kind of really focus on that kind of main plot because um, it covers thousands of years. So it can get a little convoluted, but I like the opposite approach because I like the history and stuff. And so I really took my time with it and made sure when I came across people names, I Googled them, you know, there's, you know, a token wiki out there and, you know, to really learn about like their family tree and what they did and followed um, the very great maps in that book to know what token was talking about in all these areas. And it is the best read that I've had of it. And I've, even though I've enjoyed it before, um, after I got done reading it this time, it's like, it moved right up to the top of my list of just like one of my favorite books. And I'm just... I'm not going to go that long again without reading it. So if you like, if you like reading, you have to kind of like reading and you have to really like Lord of the Rings. If you'd like those, and you've never read the Cimmerillion, definitely do it. And there's a few different ways that you can read it. Again, the one that I just mentioned is kind of follow the story of the Cimmerils. Um, But then if you really want to get down to it, really appreciate all the rich lore in it, you know, take your time with it. And um, I think probably a lot of people listening to this, you know, really you know me personally or can get in touch with me. And so... Um, I'm always up for discussing Lord of the Rings things. And so, uh, anyway, yeah, just, just really recommend the Cimmerillion for people who like fantasy and really like Lord of the Rings. It's just a really great read for someone who wants to learn more about, uh, um, Middle Earth and, uh, 
and everything that Tone created. Very good. Very good. All right. So um, I love it. That's good. I need to, I would love to read that at some point. I, I'm about halfway through book two. I'm really, I, I really. Yeah, finish it so we can watch it. I know it's, it's my own fault, right? I can, I can make time for this. So I really need to do so. Um, so, so mine is going to appeal to you nonfiction readers out there. And I'm so excited about this. Um, so you know how, um, when you're reading nonfiction, right? Unless you have a photographic, uh, memory, you're not, there's not really a great way to, um, retain what it is that you're reading. Okay. Now, some people fix this problem by reading the same book eight or nine times, and I've done this, okay? So I, I like, mm. you know, there are some books that I know frontwards and backwards because I've read them nine times. Um, but I'm not willing to invest uh, that much time in most of, of the books I read. And so uh, one way to accomplish this, of course, is note-taking, right? You, you could note-take while you read. And I actually talked about this a few weeks ago. That I, uh, I, it's actually probably a month or so ago now, maybe over than that. Um, uh, about this new sort of philosophy of note-taking that I stumbled across. And I, uh, by the way, I agree with it, and I'm actually using it still um, in particular for the book study that we've been going through that I've been teaching on Wednesday nights at church. It's been really helpful to do this. Um, but I'm finding that I'm reading less now because for me now, I've, I've created sort of this scenario in my mind, a messy middle scenario, if you will, where uh, reading is a chore because now I, when I read, I also have to note-take. And, you know, it's not so easy to note take when you're laying in bed reading on your Kindle. And sometimes you just want to lay in bed and read on your Kindle. And uh, so I've, I've been finding myself not engaging with books. And that's a, pro a problem. That's in, in, you know, I like to think of things as, as, as products like in software. So uh, that's a that's a bug, not a feature. Right. For me, if for me, the product is broken if I'm not um, if I'm not reading consistently. And, and taking in new, new long form considered thoughts. Uh, after very long, it's, it's something that I need to be into. So uh, you might be thinking, well, what about highlights uh, in books? And so I, I'm totally, I'm for that. So I recently found out that I have across my Kindle library, I have over 3,400 highlights. And maybe for some of you, oh, weakling, yeah, yeah, I have 8,000. Well, you know, hootie cootie for you, okay? <laughs> I have, I have 3,400 and that's a lot, right? The problem is, and now if you don't know this, you can go to read.amazon.com slash notebook and you can go back and you can look through all your highlights, okay? But still though, it's basically just a nicer visual way to look at your highlights. You can search them, but it's not really that intuitive. Um, and it, it's still a big problem. You have all these highlights, you have all of this knowledge that you've sort of identified out of all these books, the right bit of knowledge that you needed to take away from it. And yet, it's not really easy to do anything with that knowledge. Enter a new service that I found that I will be a subscriber probably for the rest of my life called Readwise. Okay, if you haven't heard of Readwise, basically it uses science and algorithms to resurface your highlights for you. Not just in Kindle, it, it definitely syncs with your Kindle, but it syncs with Scribd, uh, not Scribd, um, it syncs with like Libby, the library app, it syncs with uh, Instapaper, uh, which is a save it, you know, read it later uh, thing for articles where you can do highlights and things. It uh, will bring in highlights from, from Twitter. You can actually just uh, bookmark uh, a tweet on Twitter and it will save it in your library for you. And what it does is it sends you a daily email with between three and 15, you choose, of your highlights. And 
there's no way I could, I could, I can, you know, take you through the, through the whole process. There's a great 25 minute video that I'll try to remember to link to, um, online that, that sort of walks you through this. Um, but basically it sends you a daily email with those highlights. And then if you, if you can click in the email to, uh, take you to the app in a browser, or you have, there's an iPhone app or a, um, iPad app that you can use as well. And it will allow you to do things like edit those highlights. So you can like, for instance, bold or emphasize um, a, a certain part of the highlight that is meaningful to you. You can tag your highlights. You can add a note for your highlights, et cetera. And so every day I have it right now, it only delivers five. So right now it, it delivers five to me every day. And what I've been doing is just part of my morning routine I go in, I look at my highlight, and it puts it in sort of like this focus mode where you're looking at one highlight at a time. I go in, I, I tag it usually, and usually if it's something where um, um, I, I, I want to be able to really remember this, what I'll do is I'll rewrite it. I'll, 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 I'll think about the highlight. I'll get additional context if I need to from the original source, which you can just click one little button and it'll open up the app on your Kindle to that spot so you can get some more context. It's so awesome. Um, and then I can take a note based on that, like with, with the concept rephrased in my own words. Um, and if I want to, I can even master it. I can say, hey, turn this into a Q&A or hey, um, take out, a certain word of it so that I can, um, I will have to try to remember what that word is next time I come back. And I can even choose, I don't have to, but if I want to, I can choose how often that particular highlight gets shown to me in the future. I can show, I can determine, uh, or I can tell it right there how, if I want that particular book to come up less, like I was, I was seeing one book come up, you know, pretty often. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want that. So I said, show this one less often. And so from now on, it'll show that one less often. Um, it's, it's really, it's really, really amazing. So now all of this knowledge that I've accumulated over the years, um, and I can even bias the, the algorithm uh, as a whole to show me things, to show mostly things that I am reading, uh, that I have recently read, or mostly things that I haven't read for a long time, and, and anywhere along that spectrum. So you, it, it's an algorithm that delivers things uh, quite automatically, but it's like imagine if you could dial in the Facebook algorithm to show you exactly what kind of posts yeah. you wanted to see. This allows you to do that with your Kindle highlights. And in the in the app on your iPad and your iPhone, it even gives you a news feed. So you can click on the news feed. So it's basically like a Facebook timeline, but it's just of your Kindle highlights and your highlights from different places around so that you can um, sort of keep up on, on that knowledge. So it's huge. So if you uh, if you have a Kindle and you highlight something in it, um, will that then sync up with the Kindle app on your iPhone, and that's how it gets into the um, the Readwise app? No, you you it it all syncs with Amazon. So you log in with your Amazon. Uh, oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay, yes, it's, okay, it's that makes sense. Gotcha. And, yes, it's API. Okay, um, and and so there are more of these being developed. And so like if you're a if you're a popular like if you use popular note taking apps like Notion or Obsidian or Roam Research, it even syncs with the with those now. So your Kindle notes sync into this, and then this syncs into those those programs as well. It's really, especially if you're somebody who is using what you're reading to produce to to write right, yeah. things of your own later. This is just a tremendously uh, useful tool. I've I, never seen anything like it. It's amazing. I've never highlighted a single thing in my Kindle simply for the reason where I didn't know what to do with it after. Like you just really? the organization. In fact, I've never highlighted a single thing, but I'm going to, I just started the, um, the unfinished tales, 
of, uh, I think it's called of middle earth. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm going to, uh, I just started it. So I'm going to download this and or sign up for it and then, um, see how it works out and see how I like it. So I think it'd be worth, yeah. I, I'd like to organize my thoughts. I just never done it because I just never saw the point when there's no way to collectivize it and really review it well. So yeah, it, I think I'm going to give it a shot. It's not like there's no way. I mean, you could even before, I mean, you could always export your highlights and, and you could categorize them yeah. in your notes app or, or whatever, but nothing like this, this actually uses what's called spaced repetition. And there's another progressive something, um, that it, I mean, it legit uses science <laughs> to uh, to to resurface things at 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 various intervals that you can sort of help bias um, to make sure that you're learning things. So um, I've actually I found out I did, after after I told you about this, I found out that there's a special link that I get where if you use that link, you get a free <laughs> month, and I get a free month. So um, I'll, for what it's worth, I'll post that link in our description. And um, how much is a month? Five ninety nine. It's seven ninety nine. Well, you can get it. You can get a light version of it that just delivers the highlights to your inbox um, for like four something a month, and then for seven ninety nine a month, it, you get the whole experience. And I, I'm not kidding when I tell you that it, even for as long as I've talked about it, um, I, I barely scratched the surface of actually what's possible with it. There's a lot that it can do. Cool. That you, like yeah, so uh, definitely check it out. Definitely check it out. It's um, it's gonna change my life. So it already has. Good stuff, Steve. Good stuff. All right, man. I think that wraps up our episode for this week. It does. It does. Super excited. All hey, right. uh, just just a little side note for anyone who stick around through this whole episode. Um, this is episode twenty six, so we have officially recorded a half year's worth of episodes, yeah. which is Yay. really exciting. It's gone by pretty fast, and we've talked about some great stuff. It's been really fun. I think there are sound effects in here. Let's see. It's a. It's a, nope. There's just, it's background cool. music. There's no sound effects. Dang it! That would have been cool. We don't uh, have uh, Pentagon background music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. No, well, boy. Congratulations right, making it this far, Steve. Yes, sir. You too. You too. It's been like, so much fun. It's been one of the most uh, exciting things I've ever done. So Definitely. I, I've enjoyed sharing the ride with you. So, all right. Excellent. Thank care. you, everyone. See you. Share with your friends. <laughs>